lecture two part two of the endowments of man by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture two why man is made to the image of god part two when we weigh the value of things by truth rather than imagination we find the image of god in spiritual natures to be the grandest of all creations and that in virtue of this image one individual soul is a nobler production than the sum of all the creations that have not this image for by what test of excellence is any creature to be valued except by its nearer resemblance to its creator we are not merely to estimate that image of the holy trinity by what it is now but much more by what it is capable of becoming when it receives its fullness from the holy trinity every work of god bears some signs of the character of the divine workman such as its nature is capable of receiving even in the material creation we find certain traces and shadows of the power wisdom and goodness of god and traces that are unmistakably the work of the holy trinity the composition of every work rests upon a threefold basis thus we see the threefold dimensions of space and the threefold dimensions of all matter resting in space the three elements of light the three primary colors the three fundamental sounds or tones in music the three fundamental states of matter solid fluid or aerial and so on through all nature and through all art which copies nature in material things such traces of the holy trinity can only be remote and lifeless but when we come to the free and active power intelligence and life in the human soul we see the spiritual impress of the holy trinity in a spiritual substance the three powers in one life capable of divine and eternal things we may now resume much of what we have said in the instructive words of saint augustine the rational creature he says whether angel or human soul is so constituted that it cannot be a good to itself but if the changeable soul will turn herself to the unchangeable good she will make her will good and will be thus made happy but if she turn herself from the unchangeable good she will become miserable to turn to this good is virtue to turn from this good is vice it is not our nature then that is evil because the spiritual creature has rational life even when she deprives herself of that good to partake of which is happiness and becomes vicious the spiritual creature is still preferable to even the most perfect of material things better even than the light of our eyes which we know to be material the least of spiritual creatures is incomparably more excellent than the most perfect of bodily things not by reason of quantity 
for that belongs only to bodies, but in virtue of a certain force by which the spiritual creature ascends to a much greater elevation, higher than the imagination, because the imagination is drawn from the senses, and the mind exercises itself upon it. Even bodies, and inferior bodies such as earth, water, and air, become better by partaking of what is better, as when the light, for example, illuminates them, or heat makes them vegetate. But the spiritual and rational creature is made better by partaking of her creator, and by cleaving to him in pure and holy charity. When souls are wholly devoid of this charity, they become darkened, and after the manner of a spiritual nature, they grow hardened. Hence, unbelieving men are darkness, but when they turn to God, through a certain force of illumination, they become light. And to such the apostle says, Ye were darkness, but now light in the Lord. God has so configured our soul to his image, that our memory, which St. Augustine calls the womb of the mind, and St. Isidore, the treasury of things, is nearest to God in communication. Our understanding actively seeks knowledge through the receptive mind or memory, and our will cleaves in assent to the truth which its divine author presents to us. This is the triune form of the soul, the three united powers in one spirit, that makes her the image of the Holy Trinity. The mind or memory receives the truth. The understanding elicits the truth and makes it knowledge. The will cleaves to the truth by its ascent. When we follow this truth upwards to its divine source, it leads the soul on to God, and the truth itself is some reflection of the purity, the beauty, and the grandeur of God's eternal majesty. Every nature has its proper motion in its proper element. To the birds of the air wings are as feet. They soar at will on their light pinions into the regions of light, where they expand themselves in gladness. God gives wings to the soul in the gift of light, by the help of which she rises at will into the regions of divine truth where her heart may expand in joy in the warmth of eternal charity. Yet nothing can rise by its natural force above itself. To effect this, a greater force must descend from a higher power. Man is by nature capable of God, but by nature alone he cannot enter into union with God. He must first receive a divine element, that through its means the image of God may be brought to his living likeness, and he may have that within him which may dispose him for union with God. For as mere created nature is at an infinite remove from the divine perfection, the divine element of grace must first descend into the soul and enter into her life and action 
and set her face to face with god and give her a motion towards god before she can be rightly and duly disposed for union with his divine goodness nature again cannot have the sense of that of which she does not possess some element god himself must first condescend to his creature and give her a certain supernatural element a certain force and strength whereby she will not only receive a sense of god but a power also to rise above herself and move towards him divine light and power must give us a foundation for the sight and sense of divine things he hath given us a sense says st john that we may know the true god and be in his son but the divine order established in human habits is not the same as the natural order here we must take st bonaventure for our guide as we are the natural image of god understanding is generated from the mind or memory and from memory and understanding love proceeds but in our reparation the divine order is established in us after a different manner the light of faith planted in our mind does not generate complete understanding but only obscure knowledge we see darkly as through a glass yet light and grace generate a complete goodwill in us so that we embrace by love incomparably greater things than we see with our understanding but love itself is a great quickener of the understanding which when it is prompted by a great love sees much further into divine things than when only acting by its own power still love always embraces incomparably more than the understanding can reach the scripture therefore says that the eyes of god are upon them that love him and that the eternal wisdom enriches them that love him and fills their treasuries hence the divine precept to the man of faith thou shalt love the lord thy god with thy whole heart with thy whole soul with all thy strength and with all thy mind we love god with our whole mind when with a good will we adhere to him in faith we love god with our whole soul when with a good will we hope all things from him we love god with our whole heart when with a good will we love him above all things and in all things by the force of this threefold love of god this living likeness is generated in us it penetrates the essence of the soul and radiates through the man in the sweet and gentle flame of charity thus whilst man is created to the image of god he is constituted in the divine likeness by the grace of the holy spirit but in falling from obedience he fell from subjection and in losing his dependence on the divine gifts he lost the gifts themselves 
then the divine likeness faded from him and even the natural image of god was wounded by his fall obscured in its lineaments and weakened in its rational and moral strength he ceased to be that integral man who is completed in design through his initial union with god until through a wonderful dispensation of divine mercy and justice god restored him to dependence on his goodness of these two states of man our english saint elred of Rivaux gives a luminous description in the following terms the rational creature is alone capable of beatitude made to his creator's image he was formed for adhering to god whose image he is this is the one good of the rational creature for as david sings my good is to adhere to god it is not the body but the soul that adheres to god who has planted three powers in her through which she may be the recipient of eternity the partaker of wisdom and the enjoyer of sweetness these powers are memory understanding and will or love the man created in these three powers to the image of the trinity had his memory retentive of god without forgetfulness his understanding given to know god without error and his love embracing god without cupidity for other things and so he was blessed but after he had thirsted for a likeness of god that was in direct contradiction to god and had resolved through curiosity to obtain this closer resemblance it most justly fell out that he came down into unlikeness thus was god's image corrupted in man although not utterly destroyed he still has memory but it is prone to forgetfulness he still has understanding but it is subject to error he still has love but it is given to concupiscence an image however deformed has still the character of an image and a tendency to imitate its original if not rightly then wrongly offensively and as it were in caricature in a dark preposterous and sinful way he takes himself for his object in place of god and under a veil of seeming good he mocks the supreme order of things the vices take in him the place of the virtues veiling their unlawful objects under the appearance of better things pride affects divinity curiosity affects the love of truth cupidity wears the semblance of charity avarice pretends the pursuit of good ambition affects eternity and indolence the attitude we are so essentially made to imitate god that our very sins the fruits of our perverted powers affect to imitate the just action of those powers when they tend to god as the truth goodness and beatitude of our souls it is the perverted use of our powers in the face of god's light and law 
that reveals in a special manner the deformity of our sins and the dark depths of their guilt although you have already heard saint elred contrasting the just and beautiful order of the man of grace with the disorder and deformity of the fallen man you will not regret listening to yet a more luminous extract from his great contemporary saint bernard he says that blessed and eternal trinity the one god father son and holy ghost the supreme power wisdom and benignity created to his own image and likeness a certain trinity in the rational soul which bears a resemblance to the supreme trinity this resemblance consists in the memory understanding and will god created the soul in this form to abide in him and partake from him that man might be happy but this created trinity chose nevertheless to fall away in the free exercise of its will rather than to adhere to god in the free acceptance of the grace of its creator through suggestion delight and consent man fell from his high and beautiful trinity of power wisdom and purity into a degraded and contradictory trinity of infirmity blindness and uncleanness for the memory became weak and powerless the understanding dark and imprudent and the will unclean yet that most blessed trinity remembering his mercy and forgetting our guilt did nevertheless repair the grievous darksome and unclean lapse of our nature the son of god sent with this view from the father gave us faith and after the son the holy spirit was sent and he gave us charity and through faith and charity hope arose of returning to the father through this trinity of faith hope and charity that blessed and unchangeable trinity brought back our inconstant fallen and miserable trinity as with a trident from the deep void to our lost happiness faith illuminates our reason hope lifts up our understanding and charity purifies us the divine power that operates in the soul and exalts her native powers with the supernatural virtues we call grace because it is the free and unpurchasable gift of god to which nature can assert no right or claim it comes of god's pure condescension and benevolence the prophets christ our lord the fathers the church in all her prayers as well as her teaching all instruct us that this divine gift of grace comes of the direct operation of god's holy spirit within the soul in creating the soul of adam god breathed from his holy spirit into the face of the man and he arose a living soul having the life of grace from god through the communication of his holy spirit for our reparation 
Christ breathed into the face of his apostles and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. By this solemn act, the Son of God recalled the breathing of the grace of the Holy Spirit into Adam, and gave power to the apostles to cleanse human souls from sin, and to restore them to the grace of the Holy Spirit. By the same expressive mode of action, God as our Creator gave His Spirit to sanctify the first man, and as our Redeemer gave His Spirit to repair the ruin of the fallen man, and to sanctify him anew. St. Cyril of Alexandria says, As we are formed to the likeness of our Creator through partaking of His Holy Spirit, it is manifest that no one can obtain God's likeness without partaking of His Holy Spirit. When our Redeemer would restore God's likeness to man, He also breathed on His disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. What this partaking of the Holy Spirit gives to man is the perfect expression of the image of the divine substance. In describing from what man falls when he loses the state of grace, St. Paul has given us a perfect description of this divine grace and of its operations and effects in the soul. Who, he says, were once illuminated, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God, and the power of the world to come. A saint has said with beautiful truth that if reason is the eye of the soul, faith is the pupil of the eye. And we may add that if the spiritual sense is the heart of the soul, the grace of divine love is the life of the heart. Faith illuminates, love tastes the heavenly gift and the power of the world to come. How by present grace we taste the power of the world to come, St. Peter has explained in equally exalted language. He says, All things of divine power which appertain to life and godliness are given to us through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own proper glory and virtue by whom he hath given us most great and precious promises, that by these you may be made partakers of the divine nature, flying the corruption of that concupiscence which is in the world. The gift of charity makes the soul of the just man godlike. The principle of that charity is the divine action of the Holy Spirit in the soul. And hence the fathers, following St. Peter, call it a certain partaking of the divine nature, not of the substance, but of the operation of the Holy Spirit. St. Thomas teaches that the grace which makes man pleasing to God not only exalts him with supernatural virtue to a higher mode of existence, but that it is the root and principle of the infused virtues. He argues that, as the natural light of our reason is something beyond our acquired virtues, which virtues are the ordering of our nature according to the light of reason, 
so that light of grace which is a partaking of the divine nature is something beyond the infused virtues which derive themselves from that light and are regulated with subject to that light as the apostle says ye were once darkness but now light in the lord from which the prince of theologians concludes that as by grace we are regenerated to become sons of god the grace which is the principle of this regeneration is implanted in the substance of the soul like a life within a life or a soul within a soul for as man participates of divine knowledge in his mind through the virtue of faith and of divine love in his will through the virtue of charity so after a certain similitude through regeneration or a new creation he participates of the divine nature within the nature of the soul and as the powers of the soul which are the principles of her acts flow from her essence so from the grace of regeneration received into the essence of the soul flow the graces of the virtues into her powers exalting those powers to perform their supernatural acts this exposition of the angelic doctor deserves our deep meditation it is an admirable exposition of the way in which the grace of justification that is of divine charity is fitted to the nature of our soul to her unity of essence and trinity of powers it shows in a special manner that as the unity of the soul's essence is the principle of the unity of her powers so the unity of the divine grace of justification is the principle of the unity of the supernatural virtues that are exercised in those powers it also enables us to enter into the profundity of saint paul when he calls charity the bond of perfection long before saint thomas the great saint leo had said that the plentitude of justice and the sum of the virtues spring from that love whereby we love god end of lecture two part two